Welcome to Fides Podcast. My name is Jerry Serino, and I'm your host. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, Fides is Latin for faith and truth, and that's what we do on this show is talk about truth and talk about faith. Uh, thanks for being here. Uh, the great song that you're hearing in the background is my friend Frank Camp. You could find him on Spotify. Great song. This song is called Heaven Can Wait. But thanks for being here, and let's get right to it. Okay, welcome to another edition of Fides Podcast. My name is Jerry Serino, and I'm your host, and I'm here with Talent on Loan from Rush. Uh, my guest today is Alex McFarlane. Al- Alex is an author, a speaker, and uh, an expert on religion and culture. Alex, thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a great honor, and I appreciate what you said, Talent on Loan from Rush. Oh, the, he, he is... Um... Yeah, he, he used to say that he, he his face needs to be on Mount Rushmore to make it complete. And honestly, he is uh, absolutely true on that. He's one was one great, great American. Um, was, yeah. So so you, you speak on and do a lot of things, uh, really wonderful things. Um, and, and I'd encourage everybody to to look into all that you do and, and, and invite you to speak and, and the like. But one of the things that I um, your your recent book that is very sort of eye and ear catching and it's the assault on America, how to defend our nation before it's too late. And I think it's a very appropriate book right now. So tell me what prompted you to write the book and um, give us sort of a synopsis of the book. Wow. Well, thanks very much. And, and first of all, let me applaud you for what you're doing and the great content you're producing. And I, I hope everybody will like your channel and spread the word about uh, your platform because you're doing a good work too. Appreciate but, it. Uh, you know, a l- little bit of backstory. I uh, was going to college. I was going to the University of North Carolina at Greensboro and I was 21 and I became a Christian. And what, what's interesting, the way that God changed my perspective Jerry, when I was growing up, my heroes were like John Lennon and Jim Morrison, and I called myself a philosophical anarchist, and I was in a band, and we made uh, really bad music with even worse lyrics, because I I had a very twisted perspective of life, and um, I, I thought that America was a free country, meaning militant autonomy. Everybody can do whatever they want. Hey, it's a free country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was for the legalization of drugs. And I just felt like uh, my assumption was and what I had been taught in public school was that America was a free country. But in reality, America is a principled country that was founded on morals. And we had liberty and we had the ability, as the Declaration says, to pursue happiness, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. We had stability, we had prosperity because we had moral boundaries around us. Mm -hmm. And I I realized there's something much greater than unrestrained freedom because really humans destroy themselves in that place. There is something, there is this moral ground where we all can safely, freely live The reason I wrote this book is because, like myself, so many people today, Jerry, I I feel like are clueless as to what America is really about. And that's why we've got this anarchy, this wokeness, cancel culture, 
everybody's, you know, at everybody else's throat. It's, it's a book to talk about some threats on the horizon, but it's really a book to try to help people understand what America is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's, it's really great. I, I love what you, as I, I saw, or was vigorously writing notes and, and thoughts down as you were talking. And I think uh, when you're saying that people are clueless as to what America is, um, you know, that we were found upon, um, you know, our rights coming from God and that the government essentially is there just to protect those rights. Right. And essentially that's it. And, and I mean, and beyond that, the government is not there for anything else other than maybe to build some roads and things. Um, do you think that, that, and I think, I think I know the answer to this is that our kids are being taught what America was founded on as imperfect as it was, because it has imperfect people living in it. Do you think that they're taught that and have any idea? Oh, no. Public education is part of the problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and, and let me just say this, and, and I, I give God the glory, uh, Jerry, I've been very blessed, but I've spoken at more than 200 American universities, mm-hmm. um, about 45% of which have been Christian or denominational schools, but I've spoken at a lot of secular universities. We, our, our ministry has hosted youth events at 215 public middle school and high school campuses in all 50 states. So I've been around the block a little bit. My, my mother was a public school teacher for 28 years. My sister, Caroline, has been a public school teacher for about 30 years. My sister-in-law, Anna, has been a public school teacher. Uh, my aunt, I could go on. Mm-hmm. My point is K through 12 public education uh, 200 American universities and grad schools, I know a little bit about the educational landscape of America. And I've interviewed principals. I've interviewed, I just a couple of weeks ago, interviewed a uh, school superintendent for one of the largest counties in Tennessee. I would say that uh, unless a student goes to a Christian school or a private school or is homeschooled, if a student goes to a public school, I can promise you they are being taught a twisted version of American history, very selective, very revisionist. Sadly, kids are being groomed and really coached to despise America and to really loathe America. And they don't, they don't know what a blessing and in terms of human history, what a rarity the United States of America has been. And so um, Jerry, I hesitate to say this, but I have to say, it. I think what we're witnessing with the riots last summer, Minneapolis and Seattle and Detroit, um, Pittsburgh, the riots right now, I think we're watching uh, a coup attempt in slow motion mm-hmm. for the United States of America. And uh, we, there, there's a little small window of opportunity, maybe, but the greatest nation in the world is very much in peril right now. And uh, there, there are a few things we can do humanly, but the window of opportunity is closing. Yeah. So um, I want to read uh, sort of the a quote, the quote from um, that sort of describes your book. And, and it says here, um, America has suffered some big losses, eroding morals, a godless culture and a declining national spirit. 
these losses have have corrupted the very fabric of our once uh, stalwart nation, coalescing into social and political overthrow with anarchy raging in the streets. Um, many wonder, is this the end of America? And your response is no, resounding no, it is not the end of America. Obviously concerning, as you just said, and, and as the words I just read, very concerning, but you, you obviously have faith that uh, this is not the end of America. Um, expand on that and tell us what we need to do to make sure that it's not the end. Uh, well, God bless you. Thanks for asking. Well, number one, uh, if you are a Christian, you believe in God, and you know the Lord Jesus, number one, pray and intercede for America. And uh, within those prayers, pray that God would revive his church. They, they say there are 384,000 churches, Protestant, Catholic, Orthodox. There are some half a million ordained clergy. I pray the Spirit of God would give them a baptism of courage that they would uh, from their pulpits, speak about morality, truth, and patriotism. But I was on a phone call with George Barna of the Barna Research Group, very respected uh, pollster. The Barna Research Group, uh, George Barna says that there may be some 100 million adult Americans that have a relationship with Christ. They're, they're born-again believers. And I would just pray to God that the 100 million, maybe it's 120 million, maybe it's 80 million, who knows, but look, it's, it is still a very sizable number that mm -hmm. believes in God, believes in the Bible, believes in our constitutional republic, and I would pray that they would get uh, courage to speak up and stand up for truth. The other thing I would say, what can we do? We have got to be informed and be involved, and when I say be informed, uh, guys like you, look, you are uh, the, the newswire service whereby people can get truth these days. Others as well, you absolutely cannot trust CNN. Look, I've been on CNN. I'm trying to think what it was. About one year ago, I was on CNN, and I forget, but it was some story. And, and I was very clear, and it might have been, yeah, I, I don't remember what it was exactly, but because I've been on CNN a number of times, but I, I, I knew there was a, a very salient point that I wanted made. And I told the uh, journalist, I said, now to be clear, and, and I, it'll come back to me, I haven't thought of this in a moment. The funny thing was the precise 180 degree opposite of what I said, even though I repeated myself several times, I said, please listen carefully. Don't get this wrong. And of course, intentionally, they got it wrong. Mm -hmm. um, I, it's been my privilege to be on lots and lots of media. All right, let me give you a case in point. There's a show in Washington called The Tom Hartman Show. And Tom Hartman professes to be an atheist. And it's a secular show. And it's a very left-leaning show. So one of the very first times I was on the show was uh, years ago. Uh, when Mitt Romney was running for president. Now, I've been on the show many times since then. Uh, but Tom Hartman, I, I come on the show, and the, the invitation was, okay, Romney's Mormon. You're a Protestant Christian. What are the differences between Mormonism and Christianity? So Tom Hartman blasts me. He's like machine-gunning questions, shouting into the microphone, and for a second, it's like, oh, my goodness, you know, what is this guy doing? And uh, 
he was lambasting Christianity, lambasting, you know, Bible believers are flat earthers. What else, what other crazy things do you God people believe in? <laughs> well, anyway, I realized I was going to have to ramp up if I was to get a word in. Well, we come up with the first commercial break and this guy's a shouting, raving steamroller of a host. We, we're in a commercial break and he comes in the, the talk back. He says, Mr. McFarland, it's great to have you on. Good job. You're, you're really holding your own. And I just want to say, I sincerely appreciate you being on the show. And I, I'm like, uh, okay. He says, we're back in a minute. We get back on live radio. And again, it's this raving, screaming lunatic. Now, let me give you one. Can I give you one other story? Yeah. Have you ever heard of John Oliver? Yes. All right. I was on TV with John Oliver about, uh, I don't know, four years ago. So it was about um, Christianity and Islam. What are the differences? Because it was rumored Obama was a closet Muslim. So what do Christians believe? What do Muslims believe? I'm in New York City uh, in a studio with John Oliver. Uh, we get ready to go live and we're 20 seconds from going live. And he leans into me. He's two inches away from my nose. And he begins to say the F word. F you, F you, F you, F you, just, and I'm thinking, okay, John Oliver, what's he trying to get me rattled or something? Mm -hmm. And we're five seconds away from going uh, on camera and he's blankety blank cursing me all up in my face. And just as we go live, he leans back. He says, welcome. I have Reverend Alex McFarlane on. Now, during one of the breaks, I said to him when he, again, he starts F you, F this, I said, I'm so sorry you have Tourette's. I did not know you had Tourette's, John Oliver. Medical science can do wonders. You need to seek help. <laughs> Here's my point. I wouldn't let him get me rattled. Here's my point. Folks, you have got to understand modern journalism is a charade. It is theatrics. When there, there comes on a person like myself who is actually an educator, a researcher, author of 18 books, hundreds of journal articles. We actually have some substantive material to share. A CNN, a John Oliver, uh, an MSNBC, you've got to understand they do not want the public to know truth. So Jerry, to your question, what can people do? Number one, pray. Number two, do the heavy lifting mm -hmm. of being informed and then be an influencer. I applaud you. You're taking your time, your resources, your, your podcasting and putting out videos of substance. And so this is a part of the, the hard work, but the sacred work of liberty, isn't it? Yeah. It, it, you know, it, I, I equate it to, uh, you know, this is a fight and obviously not a physical fight, but, but a, a, whether it's a moral or intellectual uh, fight because you know what our side faces unfortunately is if you say the wrong thing is is simple as it is people are losing their jobs people are are being ostracized they're being sued their lives are being destroyed you know i think um i, I think about even someone like uh, brett kavanaugh just looking back at him and his situation a good man lived his life a good life and they just destroyed this man uh, with honestly, without a basis of fact of anything. 
Um, and that's what they're looking to do. They're looking to destroy. So, you know, just curious about uh, John Oliver. Did he explain why he was behaving that way? I have to ask. I'm dying to know. Oh, he was just trying to get me rattled. And yeah. Off yeah. My and, uh, <laughs> he, um, you know, so between every break, I mean, he would, because, you know, here I am, I'm an academic and a, an educator, but I'm also mm-hmm. an ordained minister. But listen to this. I'll tell you about John Oliver. Um, and uh, we, we, after the interview, we parted as friends, but I looked at him during one of the breaks and he's like up in my face and I'm thinking, what are you trying? And, and I said, uh, hey, I hate to break it to you, but this is not the first time I've heard the F word. <laughs> uh, I, I might be a preacher and a minister and a pastor of a church, but you know, I've uh, been to the rodeo a few times. So I said, say it a few more times, get it out of your system. And uh so anyway, the fact, like with a Tom Hartman, who's an absolute jerk on air, mm-hmm. an absolute gentleman off air, John Oliver, who is um, just about as vacuous and, you know, empty of any substance as anybody could be. I mean, he's witty. He, he's, uh, he's got this character he plays, but I mean, the guy really is not a terribly intelligent person. Yeah. Um, but just trying to get me rattled. But when I would push back, they were like, okay, you know, we're not going to get Alex rattled. Do you know what John Oliver said after we went to the green room and, uh, we were, I said, Hey, thanks for having me on. It's good to be with you. And, uh, John Stewart was there from comedy central. Uh, John Oliver pushed me, pulled me aside. He said, Hey, um, you're a minister, right? I said, yeah. He said, well, I'm flying to England to get married. So this was a few years ago. He said, um, if you think about it, would you say a prayer to the man upstairs for me? And I said, well, absolutely. I am a minister and getting married, that's a wonderful step. And of course, I'll pray for you. And I said, but John, the, the, the man upstairs, as you say, is Jesus Christ. And he knows you and loves you. And he's as close by as a prayer. And so, and I gave him one of my books. I said, let me encourage you. Um, The Lord is not a joke. The Lord is very real and the Lord loves you very much. And so, Jerry, I I, I really feel like it's a privilege. I go in some places a lot of people probably wouldn't want to go. I subject myself to some uh, verbal abuse. I I guess you might say it doesn't matter to me because I represent Christ. I love this country and and I believe sowing seeds of truth and building relationships is, is a worthwhile endeavor. But my point is, again, folks, um, I read online articles. I mean, there, there's some good content on the internet. There's also some incredibly vacuous distortions. Mm-hmm. And folks, um, I've, I've taught worldview for 18 years at the college and postgrad levels. I've taught constitutional history for about 10 years. Um, you've got to understand one of the ways that the Marxists are trying to work for the end of the U.S. Constitution and therefore the end of the USA. They're counting on the fact that Americans don't know and don't care about world history and our own history. And so we've got to pass the, the fire of freedom on to each succeeding generation. And part of that is the development of the mind, attending mm-hmm. to the life of the mind. And so I'm not saying this is easy, but do you remember William J. Bennett? You, you remember Bill, Bill Bennett? Bennett? Yeah, absolutely. 
and you've probably interviewed him, but uh, 20 years ago plus, he had this thing called the Book of Virtues. Mm -hmm. It was a great book. Yep. Hey, I, I have met William Bennett a number of times, interviewed him, but he came and spoke when he was on the book tour for the Book of Virtues. And he gave a speech about the purpose of education. And he said, the purpose of education is to expand your mind and save your soul. And that kind of, the audience was kind of quiet, but he began to talk about, Bill Bennett talked about how the first schools in America really came out of the church mm -hmm. and the Christian church, Catholic and Protestant were champions of literacy. Now, why? So people could read, so people could read the word of God mm -hmm. and learn about salvation. And, and it is true that really the people of God have been the custodians of knowledge. Yeah. Now, sadly, education is in the hands of, of militant secularists these days. But I think those of us who love God and country need to come back and really be at the forefront of true education. Yeah, no, no question. Education is uh, is a big piece of it here because that's where what it seems as though is is you get these these you know college and post college age students who believe what they believe with every fabric of their being, and they're, and they're so completely wrong, right? And 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 obviously not everybody, but so many of them are wrong. And when you know, I think, if, you know, since we talked about Rush in the beginning, you know, Rush once said, if you want to get a, a conservative angry, lie to them. If you want to make a, a liberal angry, tell them the truth. And yeah. it seems as though, you know, they hear the, some of these things that conservatives say and, it, and they don't know how to handle it because they to them, that's not the truth because they don't know any different. Um, so education is huge, obviously. Um, so we have a few more minutes. Um, I want to get into, so you have a few, you, you, you've written a number of books and um, just a couple I want you to comment on if you can. Uh, one is uh, the 10 most common objections to Christianity. Uh, so tell me just the quick, I know you can't go through all 10, um, but uh, just the, the quick overview of that book, because that sounds really, really interesting. Oh, thanks. Yeah. And by the way, all of my books are online. I mean, if you go on Amazon.com yep. or go to my own website, alexmcfarland.com, my speaking schedule is on there too. Okay. But um, I was, you know, speaking at universities, debating atheists, uh, going to speak in, you know, philosophy departments and uh, different uh, colleges. And I, I kept a notebook with all of the questions I was hearing, uh, Jerry, like, how do you know God exists? How do you know truth exists? Is the Bible trustworthy? Uh, did Jesus really live? Was there a historical person named Jesus? How do we know Jesus Christ rose from the dead? What about the problem of evil? If God is real and God is good, why is there evil in the world? And so I just numbered and I came up with, at least for my own travels, the, the top 10 most common objections. And so we wrote as, as best we could a response. Here's, we state the problem. Here's a plausible response. And then there's a 12-week small group study guide in the back. So that's kind of an intro to apologetics and worldview. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you. That, that's great. And just a couple other um, titles that uh, of the many, uh, 10 uh, answers to atheists, uh, 10 issues that divide Christians. Um, you know, so I think a lot of us out there, we, we deal with uh, those that uh, attack our beliefs and the, and the like. And 
um, it can be difficult sometimes to uh, to address them. And so, you know, having resources like yours to help us gain, as you said, knowledge, right? Knowledge was one of the, be informed, um, it was one of the, the goals you, you lined up um, that we need to have to fight this battle. Um, so knowledge is obviously huge. Um, Alex, you, you had mentioned your website. Um, where else can people find it? I presume they can get your books on maybe Amazon or, or is your sure. website the best place to go to, to get all your information? Yeah, I mean, if you Google me on Amazon, you'll find a lot of books. And we've got a, another book coming out in September of this year. Uh, I'm on Facebook, Rev Alex McFarland, R-E-V, Rev Alex McFarland. On YouTube, Truth for a New Generation. Hey, but I, I got a quote, and you're going to love it. I know we're almost out of time. But listen, mm -hmm. there was a really smart dude who lived in the 1200s, 1225 to 1274, Thomas Aquinas. We are not Muslims today, at least in part due to the work of Thomas Aquinas. But listen to this. Mm -hmm. Aquinas, one of the most brilliant mortals that ever lived. But he said, every possible argument against the Christian faith has a rational mistake in it somewhere. And therefore, there exists the possibility that it be answered. So if somebody says, okay, there is no God, or there are no morals, or Jesus didn't rise from the dead, look, there are faulty presuppositions. Aquinas was right. Every possible argument against the Christian faith has a rational mistake in it somewhere. And therefore, there exists the possibility that we can answer it. So the good news is we can know truth. We can grow. As we drill down deeply through the objections and the confusion, we ourselves learn. We get stronger. We learn about the data compelling it proof uh, for Christianity and for our Judeo-Christian democracy. And as we get equipped, we can influence others. That's what you're doing. I applaud you, Jerry. I, I'm honored to know you. And uh, let's, let's together, let's get in this fight and let's pray for our country and let's be utterly committed to God and country. Not a better way to, to finish this, this episode of Fides Podcast. Um, Alex, Reverend Alex McFarland, thanks so much for being here. It's been a pleasure to, to talk to you, to listen to you. Um, you know, please, please check out Reverend uh, McFarland um, on all the social media, get his books. Um, I think you're going to benefit from them greatly and uh, search for him and uh, read his writing. So uh, Reverend McFarland, thanks so much for being here. God bless you, my friend. Okay, you too. And thank all of you for being here for this episode of Fides Podcast with uh, Reverend Alex McFarland. Hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. And we'll see you next time. 